Hello and welcome to Let the Good Dice Roll. This is episode 20. Woo! Yeah, right? We made it We made it 20 fucking weeks into doing this. This is uh, kind of impressive. Uh, my name is Brendan, and I am joined by... Christina! Hi, guys! So, uh, and on this episode, we're doing something smart, and I have Google pulled up for places that I don't know all the information off the top of my head because they weren't interesting enough to include in my actual campaign. I mean, we had a lot of abyssals to deal with, but we didn't really deal with abyssal shadowland areas, I guess is a good way to put it. You guys also didn't really deal with the south and the west, which this game appears to be uh, very focused on, uh, along with, uh, so like last episode, you had mentioned Ontang, and I was... I spent a good five minutes looking through my third edition rulebook going, where the fuck is on Tang? Where the fuck is on Tang? Not realizing that on Tang is a whole, like, basically small state with, like, multiple areas in it. And, yeah, so in looking back through that, on Tang uh, is one of the homes to the... Uh, so one of the people that you were talking about fighting in the in one of the last episodes were, like, the Brides of Atlat, I think. Uh... Sure, let's go with that. Yeah, I think that they were. So Atlat is the southern god of war. And the Brides of Atlat are basically uh, god-blooded warrior women. Huh, interesting. And they're uh, they're like a small subsect of like anti-realm people because Ontang used to be a really big like solar city back in the day. But now it isn't and is usually canon controlled by the realm, but in this case got taken over by uh, the first and forsaken lion's uh, abyssal circle. Yep, we take over all the things. So, uh, to start us off, since I didn't do a whole lot of talking last time before the questions came in, um, I went off on a small tangent about Nexus and why did I hate Nexus. About, what, two, three episodes ago? No, literally last episode. Did we? Yeah, it was literally last episode. Oh, see, my week is weird, so... Eh. So anyway, so the the thing that I could not remember about uh nexus was the name of the thing that shows up if you fuck if you fuck around in nexus and make nexus hate you uh is this creature called the emissary which um god what, emissary has different meanings to me now yeah after storm flux <laughs> right so the em yeah well actually no it's got probably uh, about the same power level as one of those um in Realm Year 52, a being called the Emissary appeared and took control of Nexus in the name of the Council of Entities, largely killing anyone who opposed them. A similar, a similar fate greeted the officers of the Seventh Legion who occupied Nexus in Realm Year 75. The Seventh Legion being the people uh, from Lookshy. Well, okay, so to be fair, Emissaries are the little things that you fight that herald that big one in Stormflux. Okay, so... And this is probably uh, uh this is probably maybe. Herald level. It literally single handed took out a legion. Yeah, so that's Herald or Godbeast level. If yeah. we're talking in Stormflux terms. But yes. back to uh Nexus. Uh the only uh so I take back the my statement on Nexus being total and utter shit. It's only good contribution to Exalted Canon is founding uh the League of Many Rivers, which turns into the uh the scavenger land uh confederacy in my game oh okay okay that is their only contribution to exalted so, canon so in you, my opinion you hate them like five or ten percent less than you did before yes i hate them five or ten percent less than i did before their government is still bullshit their economy is still dumb 
Uh, they do start... Well, their economy is basically what lets you trade with everyone else in the world. Um, and... Like, it, there's literally, like, six solar uh, graves in there that basically double as, like, beginner-level dungeons for Solar Exalted. Funny you mentioned solar-level areas. That'll come up in a little bit. Alright, so with that tangent out of the way, let's, uh... I guess get through these two sessions so then I have stuff that I actually remember being a part of. And yeah, can we have two sessions before Brendan's character even comes in. So this first one that we're going to talk about is a little bit long. Uh, it was on Sunday, May the 20th, 2018. So the weird thing was we were missing Jess and Lewis, so we didn't have Mercy and Cavalier. So it was just Ark, Shepard, and Vision walking around doing bullshit. So we basically just had Jess and uh, Lewis T-posing in the background. Um, As you do, I find that uh, T-posing people tends to help out. Yeah, or so, you or you just do what I did to Mori in uh, this last mage session that well, people will get to eventually and just kind of have to Jaeger pilot them. Uh, yeah, or you have to, um, or you do what we did to Ryan in the latest uh, ex uh, Iron Kingdoms campaign that went up, where that it was the one where that he missed, so he was asleep in the caravan. He was asleep in the yeah, wagon just, the whole we time. Yeah, we just we just stuffed him and put blankets and stuff around him, so he's all super comfy. Uh, so for this one, we basically discussed what we want to do, if we want to go after the, deal with the general or go after the assassin, and we decided to go after the assassin desolator. And, uh, without getting into specifics, my character had to requisition a soul steel weapon because she wasn't allowed to use the fun flavor I used to use for, uh, Scythe Hand. So what I used to do for Scythe Hand for Ark was she was... A crafter, so she had like ink splots all over her outfit and stuff like that. And she had papers and uh, basically pens and all different writing implements. So, what she used to do for Scythe Hand is she would pull out uh, an ink, an implement that had ink with it, and she would fling the ink at people. And it was these inkly, ghostly hands that would attach to people and just sink into their being. And they basically would have to make like a constitution save or something like that for it and to like resist it fucking with their form um and it was kind of neat like that or i think it, i think i was allowed to do con damage with it instead mm -hmm. i don't think there was a save for scythe hand if i remember correctly i don't think that there was i don't remember what it was but yeah it just it, it was a nice flavor but um everybody else was using soul steel weapons and they got plus one to attack and damage and because i wasn't using a soul steel weapon i didn't get that buff so i made uh i requisitioned a weapon so that I could get that buff, but it kind of killed the flavor a little bit, but it is what it is. Um, Shepard ends up summoning some undead, and Vision tries to figure out how to get in contact with Grief. So we find out that there's a secret phrase called, looks like nasty weather, which the response is going to be, a storm is coming. We end up going to Nexus, which is why Brendan went on the spiel about Nexus. We're in Nexus now. We're trying to figure out the best way to hunt down Grief. Uh, Shepard ends up canvassing the area, asking <laughs> this phrase to pretty much everybody, which brings me back to the creation ruling mandate for the main campaign. About 12 people later, we find someone who actually has the correct response to the secret phrase. Uh, this person's name is Dwayne. I don't know why, it was just Dwayne. That sounds like, oh yeah, I, ha I have a great name and it's a, gr and it's a good name. Yeah, I have I have a name and it's a good one too. It's it's Dwayne. 
they they recently uh iron the uh last episode of iron kingdoms that goes up uh before this comes out actually has that encounter where you guys meet uh the the one survivor of the leapfrogs and i'm like yeah he's got a name it's a good name it's duck and then you guys in and then you guys encouraged me to make him duck duck goose yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's why the la- that's why episode four is named Duck Duck Goose. Oh wow! <laughs> so Dwayne leads us down somewhere, uh, and we find out that he doesn't know uh, Meticulous Owl directly. So he leads us to a brothel called the Alibi, and they they mention something about a council of entities. I don't have specific notes on this, and we get introduced to a guy with this black and gold attire and a mask so we just assume that this is grief and in exchange for getting desolator for us this person needs us to rate some tunes um and basically there were the people the, the the people in the tombs that you know the tombs were made for were killed and they were in each tomb has a piece of an artifact in its possession uh and i believe I don't remember if he told us specifically what it was or just described it to us. I think he described it to us so we knew what we were looking for. And my character being my character, Ark just had the knowledge. Um, She figured out that it was the sword called the Hand of Hell. And it's a blade forged by demons made of black lead and Malfian bronze. I had an out-of-character moment. I was like, Malfi and Bronze. Oh, so, like, we're dealing with Infernal stuff. Okay, cool. And Joe's just like, you guys don't know what Infernals are. And I was like, ugh, all right, fine, whatever. But basically, these Solars got a hold of it uh, and broke it apart so that it couldn't be used. It's a pretty powerful artifact, um... And no one really knows what it's used for, just that it's powerful and that the use of it is lost. But just, you know, all of the bad stuff. And apparently Grief can't use it because he's immortal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you laugh because you know later on. Yeah. Um, but he won't tell us what he wants it for, just that he wants this blade. And for some fucking reason, we agree to go and get it for him. So each of the, like I said, each of the pieces is in a different, one of these solar tombs. And it's a full solar circle of tombs, all located in Nexus. Which is why, when you mentioned that, I thought it was really funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we had mentioned earlier that the, uh, there's a bunch of, basically, D&D style dungeons in there. Yeah. We all, the, the three of us and our two T-posed uh, companions all head out. We decide instead of just splitting the group and each going to one tomb, we decide to go together because don't split the party. The first one is in the night Never hammer. split the party. Sometimes it works. Very rarely does it work. You have to have confident people to be able to make that work. Because you have to remember, there's plenty of times that Storm went off on her own in our campaign and she was fine. Yep. But that's because she had a lot of bullshit. Yes. Yeah, specifically so she could go off on her own and be okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, to kind of uh, backtrack just a second, I wanted to actually, uh, I forgot to mention this for the first time, but uh, Meticulous Owl, uh, the one of uh, the First and Forsaken Lions only canon uh, Death Knights, yeah. um, is, has a weird history, and he's basically like, he's basically the 
the lion's super spy master. So, like, anything that happens in creation goes through Meticulous Hal to go to the lion. Which is why he was our point guy for a lot. Which of is us. why he was your point guy. But ironically, um, he has a sh between first and second edition. He has a shifting cast, at least according to the Exalted wiki. Oh. Um, He's originally a daycast exalted, which is what I think that Joe yeah, has that's, him that's, in that. I believe that's Joe's canon was that he was a daycast. Um, but in uh, the second edition, he's instead a moonshadow cast, um, and he's actually a madman. He is, uh, yeah, he is not actually associated with the uh, with the first and forsaken lion. But one of the things, or he is, but he's not like. The, the master spy guy, his big thing that he actually does is he helps um, in canon, as far as I can tell, break the seal of eight divinities, which brings out chemicals into the world. Weird. Neat, yeah. but weird. Neat, but weird. Yeah. No, I, I really like this having the wiki open to, like, give fucking tidbits bit. This is really fun. Just just make sure we say it's from the wiki so people, like, yeah, cite yeah, our like, sources. Yeah, we're, I'm, yeah, I'm citing my source of Wikipedia. I'm sure that all of my college professors are going to hate me. How many of them do you think listen to this? None of them. <laughs> so I think we're fine. Maybe but one day. I had, like, one really cool uh, computers teacher in college. I had some interesting teachers that are really cool, but I don't think they would really... As, as obvious as, and not well, like, spread my last name is, um, if you see it, you kind of recognize it and you don't really forget it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, back getting back this. to this. The first one we go to is in the Nighthammer district. It's this tomb of red hot iron, and basically you can't touch the building. I actually have in big gold, bold letters, all caps, don't touch building. It's this If I recall, you get instantly murdered. It doesn't instantly murder you, but it hurts. Uh, it's this big fire brick building. And because there's just this intense heat coming from it, we could only get so close, except for Ark. Ark could literally just walk up to it. She's the only one that could go near it, and it didn't do anything to her. Uh, so she goes in, and she finds all these tools that she's never seen before, and everything in there is Orichalcum. So one of this, so one of, so the reason for that most likely, and this is just me uh, doing hypothesis and little before like, I, I spoil what it actually is. Uh, yeah. So before you spoil what it actually is, is is that obviously, as we know, abyssal souls used to be solar souls. So what it most likely is, is me just kind of guessing here, is is that this was probably one of your former incarnations, and upon it recognizing you, it allows you in. So she goes up to it. Uh, like I said, all the materials and tools are Orchalcum, and there's this big sarcophagus of Orchalcum sitting there. Uh, there's, like we said, it's a blade that we're looking for. So she finds the piece of the blade, and when she touches it, she hears this voice in her head. And it's a long spiel, so bear with me here. Uh, this is the voice in her head. This is what it's telling her. And I'm going to say it just in the voice that I explained it to the group, too, which is great. When will the pain stop? Somebody please make it stop. I can't take it anymore. The ground beneath me is drenched in my own blood, yet I still feel the pain. I can't take this anymore. I wish I could just move my body, even if just a little. 
I'm going to die. I at least want to die comfortably. Ugh, it's pointless anyway. Soon I'll be dead. This is so annoying. Why am I so weak? I can make it out of this mess. I know I can, so why am I still here? Come on, stupid body. Stop being so weak. I can make it. We can make it. Stop being so weak. I can't think straight anymore. Everything's becoming a blur. I should lay down. Let the blood flow back to my brain. Yes, I will lay down. This will help me figure out how to make it out make it out or at the very least it'll save my energy until somebody finds me surely somebody will find me this is it isn't it i'm going to die i know it now oh god i'm going to die right here all alone i don't want to die i don't want to die there's so much there's so many there's too many people i don't want to die i'm cold i wish there was somebody to hold me or something to warm me i feel no pain not any longer but my body keeps shivering to warm itself up but I'm still cold, forgive me. And because Ark has the knowledge word, Joe, let me read it verbatim to the group. Mm -hmm. Because she would have been able to just it mm -hmm. back yep. out to them. But yeah, that's the voice she heard in her head. It was uh, a woman's voice. And Ark comes out and she has the handle of the blade. And as I said, she you know she's smart enough to remember the whole thing. So she basically just repeats it to everybody. We go to the next tomb, which is on Sentinel's Hill. It's a tomb of these, a uh, tomb of candle-eyed skulls, and it's night and fire is burning in all these skulls. So, as we mentioned earlier, um, Devin likes to make, as Shepard likes to make these huge amalgamations, uh, Wardroggers, and we have dubbed the Wardrogger Steve. So we're those stupid people that every time he makes a new Steve, we dub it as a, a new one. So this is Steve the 82nd. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we haven't actually gotten up to 82nd, but that was the number we decided on. Okay. Uh, so Steve the 82nd tries to go up there to the gates because Shepard ordered him to do it. And he basically gets firebombed <laughs> uh, once he goes through the gate. Basically, Shepard goes through and the gate closes behind him. And it's this chapel. So it kind of, I find it kind of weird that Steve couldn't go through but because he's a creation of Shepard. But here we are. Um, I guess it makes sense because it was a solar's tomb. Uh, again, you don't want again, an undead again. amalgamation going right. in there. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a creature of darkness. It would just immediately go, nope. Yeah. So Shepard goes in there and he finds the strong of the blade, which is that it's, it's the area that's the closest to the handle and it's the part that's used to block with. Um, and so he grabs that out and finds out that it, the place used to belong to the solar known as the pristine Shepherd of glory and promise. Yeah, that sounds like that. Uh, what Joe's doing is he's showing you the uh, your old exaltations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we. That was the the straw that kind of broke the camel's back on all of our thinkings of, yeah, this is for sure what's happening. That's a, we speculated it with mine, but this was the, this is exactly what it is. It's a really common trope to do with those six tombs. Then we go to the tomb of Keening Spirits. It's this plain, ugly vault. Uh, there's like spirits and pulverizing fights. And Jess, as her character Mercy goes through and she sees and hears voices it's a male's voice uh, and she finds the pommel there then we go to the bastion district which is the tomb of singing blades uh it's a diamond fitted with an hour or chalcum door there's thousands of whirling daggers around it and the voice that uh lewis's character cavalier hears in his head is a female voice 
Then we go to Tomb of Night, which is in the Nexus District. Go figure why that's called that. I don't know. I think it's the center of the city. Probably. Uh, so when Vision touches this, uh, so if there's just giant, just sphere of darkness there. And when Vision touches it, she feels just this pleasant coolness all over. And she just goes into this ball of blackness. And she finds the, uh, the weak of the blade. And here's a male voice in her head. Well, like I said, Brendan's totally right. Um, these are totally our past incarnations tombs from when we were all solars before we became abyssals. And after we bring all the pieces together, when they're in the same vicinity as one another, they basically magnetize together and reform into the blade that we need. But once this happens, none of us pick it up um, because, you know, we're all kind of like, we don't know what to do with this. Um, but we get this weird message from a woman that speaks to grief and then... Um, like, we hear something, I don't remember what it was we heard, but then the voice speaks to grief, and he picks up the sword, and the woman appears, or she, like, comes out. I don't remember her specifics. I just remember there being a woman, her talking to us, her talking to grief, grief picking up the sword, and he's fine to pick it up. Something like that. And so we're all walking with her, and our, and all of us are just kind of like, what the fuck is this woman about? This is really weird. So Ark's sitting and analyzing, like, her armor because the way Joe described it was very weird. Um, okay. Not in that, like, not canon weird. It's definitely canon. But it's one of those things that, you know, Ark is a crafter who who can make armor. Like, she actually made Cavalier's armor uh, and makes weapons and just crafts in general. It kind of, like, pinged to her, like, hmm, let me look at this. So she had taken out her sketchbook and was just doodling in that and drawing it out and the woman's armor is star metal and I'm not allowed to know what infernals are but I sure as fuck am allowed to know what sidereals are that's a that's a weird choice because sidereals are technically um like erased from the memory of everyone so like I could understand if you had seen and interacted with a sidereal before but you hadn't so like how? But, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, it was enough for me to know star metal goes with sidereals, basically. So I assumed she was a sidereal, and the way she was acting was kind of canon to how sidereals be. Yeah. Uh, so while Ark is sketching this, she actually writes on the bottom, uh, sidereal next to the sketch. Mm -hmm. And kind of pins it to the side so that uh, her allies can read it basically, you know, pointing out what she is. Um, and we talked to her a little bit while we walked back to the apartment area, and she actually allows us to remember her. Which, we're all just like, this can't be good. Why mm -hmm. would she let us remember her? Um, so, to, uh, so one of the more interesting uh, side notes here is, is that, uh, as that everyone has noticed, there are a bunch of solar tombs in Nexus. Well, why the fuck would you want solar tombs, uh, well, one in Nexus, but, like, I don't know why Nexus decided to build Nexus near solar tombs. That seems like a very poor planning decision on their part. But, why would solar tombs be there? Well, solar tombs are, uh, were pretty common after the, uh, after the Great Usurpation, because 
What do you get when super powerful things die? You get fucking ghosts. Unless, of course, you appease them. So those tombs were made in the hopes of appeasing solar ghosts, which they did. But you notice that there aren't a shit ton of solar tombs, like, surrounding creation. Which is, you know, obviously not everyone had the great idea of let's bury these fuckers with, like, all their regalia and everything because that's the uh, respectful thing to do. So by not doing that, that's where you get a lot of fucking death lords from. Makes sense. So we get to these apartments and we have to say the code phrase when we get to the door, which is it's going to be a dark night. We find out that it's an assassin's guild um, named The Silence. And it was a formally... Like, uh, this place, or, like, the person who runs it, I think it was, was formerly a part of the Mask of Winters. So, bringing okay. in other Death Lords. Uh, I don't know exactly what it means, but I have Devourer of Fortunes written. So I don't know if that was supposed to be the sidereal person we met, or if that's the leader of the Silence, or whatever. And Brendan's gonna Google Devourer of Fortunes to see if it's a canon thing or not, and I'm just gonna keep going. Um, but I think that's the person that we interacted with there... But basically, we were told to lead him to his ultimate goal, which I believe was in reference to grief. No. Maybe not. Nope, this is not a canon thing. All right. Wait. Devour of Fortunes mm. is not canon, so it, whatever. Nope, I got some stuff for Wizards 101 on here. Yeah, no. No, no, no. That uh, might... I got some stuff for War Machine on here. That's kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe that's where Joe got it from. Who I don't, knows? I don't think that... Uh... But... Yeah, we were told lead him to his ultimate go uh, goal, and we learned from Desolator that the sword is supposed to turn a mortal into a god. Which, this, if you haven't figured it out by now, this whole thing is sketchy as fuck. Just sketch, sketch, sketch. Uh, basically, Desolator needs us to assassinate someone, this mortal named uh, Madara Kashari. And uh, that sounds like it's from fucking Naruto. Right? The name Madara. That's what I said. When Joe said Madara, I was like, I can't not think of Naruto right now. I just can't not think of it. I don't know if that was his intention or not, but I couldn't help but think of it regardless. I don't think it was, but. Uh, we also found out that there's a person called, uh, and I'm going to butcher the name, uh, Calabero? Calabero? Calabero. Okay. Uh, has been a friendly rival of Desolator. Uh, his phrasing to apparently not gain residence because, you know, can't talk about your past life and shit like that. Right. Um, and he would prefer he not die, but he's a solar also, apparently. So, so that we're... means that in an Abyssal game, you basically have a fucking death sentence. Yeah. So we discuss, you know... Uh, a plan of how to handle the situation. Um, while we're doing that, we hear glass breaking and we spring into action. Shepard decides he's going to go after this uh, Calibero person. Vision and Desolator go after Madara. And Ark attempts to barricade the door to try to delay the guards of the situation. We end up killing Madara. You're really good at delaying guards. Eh, maybe. This happens more. I'm just good at delaying people in general, because it's not hard to do. <laughs> um, but we kill Madara and take his head back to the silence, and they offer Desolator membership. But he ends up deciding to come back to Fathel with us, and 
as a reminder, if you haven't listened to the last episode, Faffle's the first Forsaken Lion. That was our running joke. And uh, we find out that the full title of this group is called The Silence of the Departed. And we can basically use them as allies or spies now. And Desolator has become a minion of ours. Slash Faffles. Okay. Um, and Faffle wants us to find out what Grief is up to if we end up seeing them again. And he says that when we bring up this lady that we're like, yo, we're pretty sure she's a sidereal. He's just like, oh, well, she's probably a member of the, the brass faction. And yeah, so that was that was awkward. Okay, so the brass faction would be uh, the sidereals who are siding with the Malfians. Who are yeah, who are siding with uh, fucking hell beasts, which does not sound very sidereal to me. Right, but here we are. That's not very cash money of you, bro. Well, we uh, decided to do f- we we so Joe has the system set up with missions. I don't remember if I mentioned it before or not. And, be, and he sends out, like, minions and things to go and do sh- shit and, like, things that we do for missions. We, we, we get goods and whatnot We mentioned it. it last time because I had mentioned uh, that I that I was thinking about doing something like that um, during that's our right, game. That's right. Yeah. Well, we get three grave goods. Uh, we intercept a missive, which we turn in for some reputation. So we've got, like, a plus one reputation with Faffle now. And, uh... Plus one reputation. Yeah. Only 11,999 well, more Faffle, rep points to our go. Our standing with Faffle is at seven now. Um, yeah, but you need to get you need to get those 11,999 points more to go to get up to honored with Faffle. Right. A little loud oh, joke yeah, right there. Right. Ugh. Well, we pick up Night Shroud as a minion. We get an Essence Battery. And we get a choice of two artifacts and a hearthstone. Wow, you guys got essence batteries a lot quicker than I fucking gave them out. Eh. But yeah, so that was the end of that session. Okay. The next one is uh, much shorter. It's only like a page long. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so the next session is uh, Sunday, July 15th, 2018. Oh, we are now actually ahead of where that... Uh... Where that we are in canon for my, or in in actual real meat space time for my game. Yeah. So at this point, unfortunately, Devin ha- had to drop because of work stuff. So we just have Lewis as our dust cast cavalier, Jess as our moonshadow mercy, Jamie as our day one vision, and myself as our daybreak architect or arc. So when we get there, um, it's just starting off with Jess and Lewis and me. Jamie's gonna end up showing up a little bit later. Um, but we found out, cause we already did the assassin mission, so now we gotta do the general mission. We find out about this powerful general named, uh, Klaxon. He is a fire-aspected terrestrial, or was a fire-aspected terrestrial in the first stage. He saw folly with the solar deliberative, and he conspired with the war council versus the solar leer. So he was named a betrayer. And capital B betrayer. So his knowledge of solars, you know, could be useful if we could get him to our side. So we seek him out to change his mind about joining us because I guess, um, you know, Faffle has reached out to him before. He's like, eh. But, uh, yeah. So we ask him to basically join Death and Oblivion. And Faffle gives us a small soul steel cage to pull his spirit into. Which is that small, uh cage that I end up carrying around uh, 
in canon for our game was the lantern type okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we go south of Paragon, which, did you pull up stuff for Paragon? I did pull up stuff for Paragon. Okay. Did you guys actually go to Paragon? Because Paragon's super fucked up. Well, we go south of Paragon, so we're not oh. in Paragon. Man, you but... missed a, J Joe missed a fucking golden opportunity to have you guys deal with the perfect of Paragon. So, Paragon is a super fucked up place where if you don't obey the fucking rules of Paragon, you get screwed. Very... Very reminiscent of uh, of Nexus, but uh, way more reasons why that it's uh, uh, it, it's it, it very similar to how Nexus has like the emissary that'll just fuck you up if you're fuck if you're screwing up in uh if you're screwing up in uh in Nexus, but um so the perfect of Paragon is basically this uh mortal who gets a hold of a scepter called the, uh, uh, so the perfect of Paragon is using an old realm, um, artifact from a solar called, uh, the scepter of peace and order that was used, that was created by a solar in the first stage to impress her megalomania upon creation. The scepter impressed the knowledge of how to use it upon the nascent per, uh, upon the perfect. And it, uh, da, 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 da. Impose the drive to reconstruct the domain of stately order, which is what uh, Paragon used to be called. And basically what that it does is, hey, you're in Paragon. Obey the laws of Paragon. Are you obeying the laws? Cool, you're good in Paragon. Are you not obeying the laws of Paragon? Yeah, you get a mark put on you and no building will welcome you in. And during the night, you are hunted to death by the people of Paragon. I'm down with this. Right? It's a super interesting, like, plot hook to, like, throw anyone into. To, like, be like, oh, yeah, we broke the law. Now you got this mark. Now I can't go into buildings. And now it's nighttime. Why is the entire population hunting me down? What the actual fuck? So, yes, yeah, so you guys missed a perfect opportunity to have some fun in Paragon. We would have been probably awful in Paragon. You guys probably would have just murdered all of Paragon. <laughs> Maybe. Well... We go, end up going south of Paragon. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Ark finally gets her soul steel weapon. Okay. It was a sword, right? I believe it was. It was some kind of sword. I don't know if it was like a short sword or what have you or a dagger or whatever. Should have been a soul steel paintbrush. I wish it could have been, but that doesn't count as a weapon, according to people. There's... We're not going to get into no, it. No, 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 no. I am going to get into this. <laughs> there are performance charms that allow you to hurt people emotionally. Also, in Godbound, you can take psychic <laughs> slash emotional damage. So it is totally a thing that would work in both systems. It's fine. I'm, I'm mildly salty about it. I am less salty than I was at the time. Anyways, we go through. Still lets me go off on small tangents, and I love going off on small tangents. We small tangents are my life. We go through a field of swords and navigate through that bullshit. We get to. Wait, the... like a literal field of swords? Yes. Are they literal... pointed up or down? What do you think? Up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's cool if they're pointed down. Then it looks like there was like a dope ass battle that happened there. Yeah, no, this was to, to you know, keep people to, from not wanting to go there. That's why we had to carefully navigate through the field of it without Oh, okay. Cut. So we get to the Tomb of the Betrayer, and we have to climb up it. We find out uh, through our scholarly means that the Tomb of the Betrayer uh, is for Klaxon and his war council, 
who were forcibly entombed here. Uh, we, okay. we know that it should have some defense mechanisms and that this is a domain so we could eventually control it and use it as a mons. Yep. Which is kind of cool. We enter the room and the red dieclave is at the end of the room just sitting there and there's a shitload of zombies all around. Oh no, zombies for fucking abyssals to deal with. Whatever will we do? Well, funny story. Mercy tries to use command on them, and it doesn't work on the undead. That that doesn't seem very um, cash money. So, Ark uses the death word, because remember how we talked about last session about the death word having like this passive where it lets you control some, you know, undead? Mm-hmm. She uses the, her, her passive to command 20 of them to turn on each other and start fighting the other ones. Cavalier goes up to the sword and grabs it, and they move forward and begin attacking Cavalier, so we have to keep fighting them at that point. Okay. Uh, we find this large stone in a jade sarcophagus on top of a dios. There's rot and stale air in the area and these big stairs. So the sarcophagus is standing up and is sealed as if it were just one piece. And there's an inscription on the side of it. So when Cavalier goes up to look at it, the fires and, and whatnot um, are lit at that point. And the three of us, since we don't have vision with us yet, it's just Mercy, Cavalier, and Ark, which is an interesting group to have together, uh, basically get pushed back to where they started. And the undead war council of the three that were Klaxon's war council basically are arisen. And Klaxon appears on the Dios himself and asks us, why are you here? Well, <laughs> We tell him that he's been called to the service of the First and Forsaken Lion, and he basically tells us no. And As you do. Yeah, yeah. And he asks, you know, what are we going to do about it? You know, remove him from his tomb? And we're pretty- You tell him yeah? We're just like, yeah, pretty much. And then, you know, Jamie shows up, and now we have a group of four to fight four people, which we do. We fight Klaxon and his three generals. Uh, we find out that Klaxon can jump from body to body of his War Council minions. He, uh, some, one of them, or him, can use fire attacks, which don't really surprise us because, you know, He's, he was a, a fire, fire aspect terrestrial, terrestrial yeah. in the first stage. Surprise! This is my unsurprised face that the listeners can't see, but it's definitely my unsurprised face. So there's just fire, fire everywhere. Klaxon ends up downing Cavalier, and he has to go into Divine Fury. Uh, do you have you? We ever explained Divine Fury? No, we have never explained Why don't Divine you explain Fury. Explain that real quick. So Divine Fury is a once a level thing that you get to use. Um, it refreshes once you get a new level, but you can only use it once, uh, once a level. And basically, when you're reduced to uh, when you're reduced to zero or below HP, you basically pop back up at half your effort, half your HP, and you have um, as many rounds as you have levels to act and finish off your foe before you basically go into like a, like a small coma. And if you can't do that, like anything can kill you at that point. So basically you get like uh, unlimited god power for like a couple seconds. And then if you can't finish your goal by then, like get fucked, buddy. 
So Kapler goes into Divine Fury, but the nice thing was if it got really bad, Ark had withholding the mercy, which I So you could have uh, kept him at death's door? Basically, yeah. Uh, I could have kept him up for a little bit longer. Uh, well, Cavalier, in his Divine Fury, ends up downing Klaxon, and Klaxon, you know, surrenders and swears loyalty, because at that point, what you gotta do? Die. Um, Again? Yeah, right? So we take him back to Faffle, and Klaxon ends up putting the sword that we were after, that we kind of were after, but not actually after, because we were more after him than the sword. He ends up putting it back for probably the next generation to use, I guess? I don't really know. I mean, that's a really dragon blood thing to do. They kind of pass down their artifacts. Yeah. Oh, so I can tell you what Withholding the Mercy does real quick. Those reduced to zero hit dice or hit points within 200 feet of you automatically stabilize or die as you wish. If you desire it, allied creatures at zero uh, hit points around you may continue to act for as many rounds as you have levels before they unavoidably fall dead. So I could keep them alive for a little bit longer, only two rounds at that point, because we were only level two at that point, uh, is actually after that session with Klaxon that we leveled up to three. Okay. Yeah, and because that's the end of that session, actually. So this next session is when the I get to come in. All righty. So, for, this is going to be the last session for the evening for this episode. It was Sunday, July 29th, 2018. So for this one, we've got Cavalier, Mercy, Vision, Architect, and Devin was actually able to come back because things worked out with work. So Shepard's back in this episode also. We also have the introduction of two new players. Our friend Andrew, who will be playing a particular person that we'll mention later on. And then Brendan, who is coming in as well. Yep. I finally know what's going on in this game. Right? So starting out, it was just, uh, we did not have our lovely neighborhood, uh, mercenary. Oh, sorry, not mercenary, but, you know, merciful release of death, mercy, and vision starting off. They ended up coming in later or not at all, I can't remember which. So the smile I think they both showed up that game. That's possible, you know. I keep notes on when people come in and out, so we'll see. So on our spy master and Faffle's employee, who uh, he hasn't heard from in a while, is kind of off somewhere and we need to find him. His name is Deathneel? Deathnell? Deathnell? That Death sounds Nell. right. Yeah, Deathnell sounds better than Neil. Deathnell. Uh, he is, uh, we get told that he's in an island out to the west called uh, Alahi City which is where he operates on creation side. There's a trio, trio, I can't talk tonight. A, a trio. trio of lessers, I don't know what lessers are supposed to be, I guess lesser subordinates, that are his abject, uh, direct subordinates. Yeah, that sounds right. They're ghost-blooded. Okay. Just gonna talk like this till I can talk right. We find out there's a moon shadow who will help us travel there, uh, so we end up going to the Silent Crest, and we find out that the font of mourning is a Shadowland. I don't know, I think you looked up something for font the of The font there. of mourning is a Shadowland out in the west, that's all I could find. There's, uh, there's no real info on it online. Oh, alright, good to know. Well, we find these two figures that are crossing the vast land of grass in the Shadowland, because I don't know why there's grass in the Shadowland. It's probably dead grass. Probably. 
and we find out that one of them is fucking grief which is andrew's character yay yay the secret of like five minutes has been revealed right <laughs> and we're all kind of give this collective uh when we see him oh you again yeah well we all are kind of a little you know sketched out by his interactions with that lady and you know right. her being a sidereal on this sword of hell and sh stuff like that but we trade pleasantries with them and we meet brendan's character do you have his full name written I down i do give me one second the void within all men without compassion or regrets. So he is either void or void within without. Yeah. Th those were the ways that people called him. Void is, uh, I don't know if you have the description down there for him, but he is a mummy looking samurai with, uh, with a soul steel long, long sword and a, uh, 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 at, at his hip and his right hand is a massive soul steel smash fist with a mouth in the center of it and he's also wearing a what looks to be kind of like a wwe championship belt with a bunch of like medals missing from it yeah he's he's great he's totally great uh well we find out from void his, he... his voice is the best i'm trying hello my name is Void within without. How are you doing today? It was supposed to be like a jigsaw voice, but it turned into that. Yes. If I remember correctly. I would like you to carve off a piece of your own butt and put it in the bucket so you can raise the portcullis. The, I think there were so many things wrong with what you just said. <laughs> it's an action. And... It's from a fucking uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me sketch, which is where I got the fucking voice from. Ah, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Boyd ends up telling us that uh, the Marader of Thrills saved him from oblivion and uh, was at one point the bishop's best swordsman before he walked away from him. And I don't know if you want to say anything about bishop or not. Um, the bishop is a death lord out in the west, and I basically walked away because he wasn't letting me do what I wanted to do, which was hunt down the people who had betrayed me in life. Sounds great. We make it to Whitegrave. Uh, Grief apparently knows death, uh... Death now. No. Like, he wanted to say Neil for some reason. Death now was such... Is this the one... This is the This is the one where that we do the, the passion thing, right? Probably. Oh my god, I have the best fucking interaction with this at some point. I don't know. We'll, I hope we'll that, see. If you did not put it down there, I'm going to interrupt know. you let and put me, it let, down. Let me get it to see if that's where it's at. It might be or might not be. Uh, well, we... Grief says he knows, uh... Death Neil. Nell. <laughs> and takes up the lead to go to find him. Uh, Grief slips notes and says passwords and codes along the way so he can get through. We eventually find DK, not to be confused with Donkey Kong. Um, and, uh, Does he have his own rap? He could. We could make a rap for we him. We could make point. a death knell rap. Yeah. Look forward to that next episode. Don't look forward to Don't it. I'm not doing it. That. Yeah, we're not actually going to do that. He needs us to sort, um, sort of corral his subordinates. We find out that, uh, Courage of Fools, I, I just says tender delivery to make, a package delivery. Okay, Something yeah. Something so, keeping so, him from making it. So he wants us to deliver packages, wear abyssals, and we, and he wants us to, and this 
dude wants us to deliver packages for him. Yeah, and then Feast of Nothing wants to do a sm- wants us to do a smuggling operation. Uh, Cobweb of Lies wants us to plant things. Okay, so like he wants us to do really low, like low key, like first level World of Warcraft quests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna butcher this name. It's uh, Orisis, Orisis. 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 Orisa. It's O R I Y I S. Somebody can figure out how to pronounce that and let me know. Orisis. Because I sure as heck don't remember. Uh, we find out that he is a heretic who is leading raids on the town. He's forcibly indoctrinating people into his lesser volcano god's religion. Well, yeah, yeah, no, that totally tracks for morals. Yeah, totally. Totally normal. Everything's No, fine. that is totally normal in the world of Exalted, yeah, especially the further you get out from the realm. It's totally fine. Well, we decided <laughs> to go and do the uh, Cobwebs of Lies missions first and plant things. So he needs us to cause a distraction so that he can kill someone and replace him as his job. This is the part we were talking about earlier. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And then Jamie comes in, so now we have Vision. We have our day cast with us. So we make plans, and then we lose Cavalier, because Lewis needed to leave. Because Lewis's job sucks. Yeah, I don't know if he still has that job, but regardless. So we decide that Vision, Grief, and Cobweb, since they're all stealthy mofos, are going to use that stealth and sort of infiltrate Lord Grisham's, 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 uh, place to kill him. And basically, uh, they're going to kill him, and Cobweb's going to assume his form and his position. So they decide who to kill and whatnot. Uh, they rock, paper, scissors. Like, they can decide who kills him, I guess I should say. Is Lord Grisham anything like John Grisham? No. Are you sure? Pretty sure. I don't, okay. I don't remember, but pretty sure. Well, uh, at this point, everyone else and... Do you know who John Grisham is? He, okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yes, I do know who that is. Okay, I, I just wanted to make sure. I thought that it would be kind of funny if he was actually John Grisham and no one knew. I mean, he could be a famous writer. Who knows? <laughs> it might that, be his day job. This is this is now my favorite headcanon. All right. That John Grisham is in the world of Exalted. So at this point, everyone else, consisting of everyone else being, you know, Shepard, Ark, and uh, Boyd, are outside trying to keep people from coming in after the entourage that goes inside. And uh, it's about a 50 to 60 person group, and there's a father, a mother, and a child. Um, I don't have it written down what we did, but we're going to say what it was anyways. So, uh, yeah, so what we did is uh, to let them get in, we had to stop the guard patrols from getting there. So to do that, we set up a small playground. Ark is an architect. She literally just slammed her hands into the ground and just like, Whoop. Made a playground and a hookah for me. Yeah, to smoke a hookah on. and pillows for you. And I just kind of technically to smoke. So I just kind of sat there and smoked and watched as the guards came. And because I have the word of passion, I just kind of went snuff the snuff the heart's candle. You no longer want to do your job. And they just went, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go off to the bar. My shift's done. And that was that was how we succeeded in making sure that the group did not get discovered from the outside. Yeah, you know. Derailing guards and stuff. I don't remember what Shepard was doing. I know I was playing on the playground. He might have been making, like, zombies for you to play with. 
Maybe. Although I think, you know, a kid playing with zombies on a playground would be kind of, uh, you know, obvious, but... Passion! You don't, you don't care about what you're seeing. It's true. I also ended up leaving that playground there because, you know, there's a child in that household. I also remember after we murdered the parents and replaced them, you know, the small child was left all alone. I remember, I don't remember who I did it to, but Ark was super bored. She used her excision of understanding and basically took somebody's birthday from their mind from them. So you didn't know That's so mean! She She's not a good person. That's so mean to take someone's birthday, though! <laughs> He'll never remember his birthday until somebody, you know, tells him what his birthday is. Ah, uh, that's less mean. Yeah. I just wanted to take something that was, like, simple and small and just to make a point of, I could do this bullshit. Yeah, because we were basically do, because we were basically doing level one WoW quests. Yeah, and she was bored. She's smarter and better than this, so why the fuck would she do this? Okay, so next we get on to Steve the hundred and fifth. Okay, is made. Um. Also, we reset the scene, and Ark makes the house better because she feels bad for the child because the house sucks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have both your parents replaced and, you know, you're alone with, you know, awful people, might as well have a nice house at least. Yeah, may as well. Yeah. I've seen enough anime about this. Yeah. So we do package delivery next with Courage of Pools. We find him in a dark alley and he gives us a package with volatile substance inside of it, a.k.a. plays in a box. Uh, well, be the smart person that he is, he gives it directly to the small child. And, uh, you know, Shepard was like, no, 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 we're, we're not letting Ark hold the package. And she's like, this is my box. Do you want a box? I'll get you a box. And she just makes him a box and hands it to him. That's, that can be your box. This is my box now. You don't remember I, that? Yeah, 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 no, I do remember that. But the context of what you're saying, I really don't want to hear a small child talk about their box. <laughs> this is getting into, like, weird, the FBI is watching me territory. Okay, how about this is my plague container? This is my plague container. You can have a plague container minus a plague. Yeah. So she Okay, ended th this up is making, much better now. She ended up this is much better. Now we're on the CIA watch list. <laughs> so she made tons of non-plague containers and kept the plague container for herself because nobody wanted to give her the plague can let her keep the plague container. So eventually I think it was Vision who was just like, just let her let her keep the container. Let her have the play container. Just don't shake it, okay, Arch? She's like, sure. So, Void ends up transporting us to the dock where we drop it off. And, hey, we finished another, you know, is that is that Is that where that I just used my, like, hey, I can just throw my sword super far and then teleport to it? I don't remember. Because that does not sound like me transporting people. Me transporting it people sounds says like that. Void transports us to a dock where we drop it off. That sounds like I threw... So I had an ability where I could throw my sword and then transport to it. So that's probably what I did. Probably not. And I probably just had you on my... Sh that is my headcanon. I think I we had alacrity. And you just made it easier for us to just vamp over there real quick. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that mission was done. So we went to go find Feast of Nothing, who is also in a dark alley. Wait. More different dark wait, alley. Wait, I told you I was going to interrupt you here. Was this for... After the second mission of realizing, and after that it hit me, that we are doing bullshit level one WoW quests. Was it after the second one? It was after the second one and before the last one. I came up, we came up, and we go to Death Knell, and we're just, and he, and 
I'm just like, hey, man, what do you want us to do? And he, and Joe starts talking, and I went, trick question, I didn't want you to fucking talk. Trick question, I don't care. Because he's literally giving us level one. You had one journeys, didn't you, as Void? No, but I was the Moon Shadow, so I had uh, the the journey the the journey thing as a extra uh, gift. Maybe because I also have another note about you having us fast travel. So like you had something yeah, that made us go. I quick. didn't have journeys because I had sword alacrity and uh, passion. But because I was the moon shadow, I got the gift from Journey that let us travel without ah. being hurt. Because that's like the Eclipse version of you can go wherever you want so long as you don't disobey the rules. Got it. Okay. But yeah, no, totally like mouthed off to Joe. And this is the first of like three times that it happens. It happens once every fucking session. And every goddamn time that I do it, the entire table just erupts in laughter. Because no one's expecting me to like backtalk the fucking GM. Well, we come to find out some gang is giving off a feast profits. And uh, we make things to put in the carriage so that it looks normal and Void fast travels us to where we need to go. As we're doing the handoff, we hear a scream and explosions and we go towards it and there's just this all-out riot with death, running, screaming, etc., etc. And um, there's these purple and blue shades of robes like tall, long, wooden masks with toothy smiles, and one voice is uh, ringing out over the others, and we just assume that this is the fucking cult for Osiris, or I think it's Osiris. 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 Probably Osiris. Osiris, Osiris, Osiris. Uh, so it's just a mob of cultists. Just mobs, it's a mob mobs, of cultists for the Aussie. Yeah, sure. That works for me. Um, and we just sit and just blit through this, you know, mob. Just vomit all over this mob and ruin their lives. Well, we find this uh, idol of invigoration that's summoning things or something. We're just not entirely sure what is going on. And we do all these things to kind of try to prevent it. But these two earth fire elementals end up appearing. Apparently they were charcoal elementals was, I think, our joke, our running joke, because they mm -hmm. were earth and fire. Yep. Uh, so Shepard turns the elementals against their master, the cult leader, and when they actually go to, like, turn on him to attack, and he desummons them, and we just, uh, keep fighting, and now we have Steve, the 106th. He ended up dying, and he summoned a new one. Right, but there's, like, four Steves missing. Is there? I'm pretty sure it was Steve 105th. Yeah, no, it was Steve 105th. And oh, Steve I thought it was 102nd. No, it was 82nd, I think, was the other one. Okay. So this this dude, the Orisius, Bacius, whatever. Ozzy. Is Ozzy, Orisius, this is what Is now dead. But he keeps fighting anyways. Like, something is keeping him alive. He's just being puppeted at this point. Um, so... Uh, Shepard uses Keeper of Graves to find uh, Black Storm born of the Forge of Souls. Uh, we end up putting Orisius's uh, soul in the soul cage, since we didn't end up using it on Klaxon, because we got him to agree to join us. And then we head back to Fafel to interrogate Orisius's soul. I'm just going to keep saying different, weird, no not correct pronunciations that okay, are barely that's words. Fine. <laughs> um... And we uh, take a ship to get to the mainland. There's this bolt of black lightning, and there's a fi uh, figure is left in the wake of this lightning strike. 
and we can make out this shape that's roughly nine feet tall in armor. The whole body's just massive, and he's holding this equally massive giant two-handed axe, and he's got this helmet with horns that are curling down, and that's uh, where we end the session. But we're pretty sure that was Blackstorm born a Forge of Souls, since, yes. you know, Shepard did some bullshit. Which, spoiler, it's definitely... Uh, Blackstorm born of Forge of Souls, and he's might be, you know, a Death Lord. But it's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Okay, so, um, remember to hit that like button, subscribe, uh, comment, uh, let your friends and family know about us, and that, you know, word of mouth is the best way to, uh, to, to really spread things. We've been telling people, and we've been getting more stuff. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who's been with us for 20 weeks so far following us on this journey yeah love you guys uh we are uh next week we should be wrapping up with raising the legion sanguinary we're going to be uh i'm gonna be talking a lot more as i'm in it for a lot more of it and then also know how the ending of this is supposed to go so we've, we've got two more sessions to make it through which are equally as weird as everything else has been and then brendan's gonna be like so this is how it was supposed to end and this is kind of the changes that are made between you know what this yeah campaign was versus how it relates to my campaign and then after that episode the next episode will be back to normal Air quotes, yeah. normal. Uh, uh, I, I really campaign. kind of am missing talking about the the normal exalted campaign. This is a little weird to go through for me because it's like before I was just backseat GM being like, "Oh, this is what I meant to do with this," or "This is how this links up to this," and I really felt like I got to talk a lot more. And now it's like, "Yep, this is a game. <laughs> this is in fact a game that I was a part of for the last three sessions." Yep, as opposed to missing like the first. Yeah, it was a little rough to get through, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I mean, just from not being part of it and just... From not being part of uh, it, yeah. And also, like, the comments that I've made along the way. I do not retract those comments. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, anyway, for A Pair of Dice Lost Podcasting Channel, I'm Brendan. I've been Christina. And always remember to let your good dice roll.